0: It's checkers or wreckers as we enter turn four on the Front Stretch, presented by Joe's Carding and Council Bluffs.
1: Rolling into turn number four, just about ready to take the checkered flag on today's show. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Turn four brought to you by Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the Front Stretch. All the racing action Sunday. How did I get that right? Let's see if I can keep doing it the rest of the show. All of the racing action at kansas speedway for the bushy mcbush 400 is uh, on the big screens of quaker steak and lube if you can't get down to kansas speedway which is just a couple hours south on the interstate then uh, make sure you head over to quaker steak and lube and watch all the action schedule is set to kick off the uh, green flag for the race just a little after 2 p.m central time so, make sure your picks are in before two o'clock on the uh, fantasy racing page, the Rick Havenridge Pick'ems contest page. So, you can get your picks in on time. Once again, for the Bushy McBush race. 400 and Dirk we've had a busy show already we had Tommy Estes in turn number one we had Matt Wag in turn number two Tommy Etherton in turn number three so we haven't had a chance to talk about it but buddy I'm, I'm so happy for you first off you survived a major surgery and second off you got to pee
0: yeah I uh, I finally got uh we're recording here on Wednesday but I finally got my fire hose of a catheter taken out today and uh <laughs> Uh, the first one, I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm just sitting here and I was like oh, all of a sudden I got to go. And I jumped up, ran in there. And I grabbed a little jug and probably dumped two ounces in there, but boy, it sure felt good.
1: <laughs> I absolutely bet. And but man, I, I tell you, I was thinking week, about it. I was thinking about it over the last week and, and not to make this segment about me, but a catheter is the one thing I never want to have to experience in my life. Yeah.
0: Well, I've had one before, but it wasn't as big as this one. And this one they put in when I was out.
1: Thank God. So,
0: when I went into the OR, I didn't have that thing. I figured I was going to get one. I was surprised I didn't have it before I went in, but when I came out, I had this big monster of a thing dangling from me, and it was—it uh, had its own wiggle to my wackle, which wasn't a whole <laughs> lot of fun.
1: It was like the wavy, uh, wacky wavy arm inflatable guy on uh, from Family Guy.
0: A little bit like that. A little <laughs> bit like that. Yeah.
1: So how's it? Uh, let's t- t- we'll, we'll try to talk about it as much as possible. Even though this is a racing show, I'd rather talk about this than than uh, a litany of other oh, things I'll that be. we could talk about. But uh, man, congratulations again! I, I know this has been a, a long struggle for you, and and now you finally got a kidney, and and things can start to get back to normal for you.
0: Yeah, well, it, as it turned out, the third time I got called in was the charm. I actually got four phone calls, but this is the third time I came in and uh
1: saturday and saturday that. afternoon right you got the call
0: i got a call at about noon to report by six quit eating at four and it's an eight-hour window after you quit eating for surgery so i thought it was kind of weird that i was going to get surgery at like one or two in the morning but i thought well that's the only time they can get an or and they'd already told me this term is still kind of bothers me When well it's just a regular brain dead donor i'm like what the hell is that <laughs> <laughs> but uh, obviously, you know, somebody and, you know, prayers of that person's family because somebody lost a loved one. You know, I don't know if it was a wife, a mother, a daughter, a brother, a father. You know, is, I, I, I have no idea.
1: I know that there are safety measures put into place, but is there any way that you'll be able to figure out who that person was that, that maybe you could send a note and just something uplifting for them?
0: Supposedly not that's what i've been told that's you know they they talk about that clear in the very beginning of this whole process and they tell you you will not know your donor unless it is a live donor that you know you know i do know like uh i do know uh jacob brown's younger brother um donated a kidney several years ago to a friend of his yeah you know but you know obviously that didn't happen in this case so uh uh They make sure that it's as good a match as possible. I just spent an hour with a pharmacist and I'll have more time tomorrow. I got a pile of pills. I'm going to be taking, some for the rest of my life. Uh, Mm. So far, the only fluid restrictions or I don't have no fluid restrictions anymore. The only dietary restrictions I have is for the rest of my life. I cannot have grapefruit, grapefruit juice, pomegranate or pomegranate juice. And that's just because that's just because of interactions with one of the immune system drugs that i'm going to be taking
1: huh interesting it
0: it raises it it, and this drug that it affects is really kind of a weird deal because it's a drug that can actually if i get too much of it it can hurt my new kidney as much as help it yeah i gotta walk this fine line and something in the ingredient of those two fruits and it's only those two i got no worry with oranges lemons limes apples pears watermelon strawberries and all that stuff no problem with any of that stuff just those two fruits but something in there counteracts with this medicine and ups the level you yeah know, it kicks it into overdrive type deal which could damage my kidney and they've told me you know if you accidentally drink a glass of fruit punch that has a little bit of grapefruit juice in it you're not going to die
1: but you what you don't want to do is eat a grapefruit every morning for breakfast lunch and exactly. dinner
0: exactly you just want to avoid that stuff and And I mean, I like grapefruit. I like pomegranate, but I get watermelon back. So I'm figuring I'm going to be on a pretty even trade. I haven't, I've been able to have watermelon for a while and I love watermelon, but the name of water and water restriction just don't go together. (laughs) Right. And now I got no water restriction yesterday. I had to drink. I drank over two liters of water.
1: And I'm, I'm an American. So what's that, what's that equate to?
0: Uh, well, two liter bottle of soda. But that's twice what I've been able to drink in a day.
1: I'm sorry to say this because I never pay attention to the liters and milliliters on the bottle. But is that the big ones? Correct. Okay. You drank two of those? No,
0: I drank one of those.
1: Oh, okay. Still.
0: I'm normally only allowed to have half of that in a day. So I drank twice of my normal intake. And and it would have been okay if I'd have been outside in the sun and maybe doing a little sweat and my body. Would have wanted more Mm fluid. Just laying in the hospital bed all day and walking up and down the hall a little bit you know i didn't get that luxury so it was a it was a tough job to choke that down yeah and of course they had a catheter in so it was draining out but uh this new kidney um the other day it kicked out three three liters of fluid so it kicked out one of those big jars and a half by itself and uh uh they they're just they're tickled to death with that the doctors Great. are uh my creatin has dropped six points since sunday um i'm down to where if it doesn't drop anymore i'm going to live a great life it's down to the mid twos and like under one and a half is optimum but they don't think with one kidney my age etc 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 that i'm going to get down that low but they they're saying you're you're going to be fine you know it's not an issue that at this point is not an issue It's when it gets up when i came in here after dialysis at 8.8 now that's an issue yeah So, no, everything's fine. I got a big 10-inch cut across my belly. Um, But I'm a tough old bird. I have not had any pain medication since Sunday. Wow. Rolled into the OR at 8.15. My brother got a call at 10.15 that said that they were done with the operation. Everything went well. I woke up in post-op a little before 11. I was up to my room about 20 to 12, and I was up walking around before
1: noon. Any confusion or, or, you know, weirdness when you woke up and came out of the drugs?
0: Not really. Um, I I do pretty good with anesthesia. So, yeah, I didn't have too many problems there. Um, The cut was probably six inches higher than I thought it was going to be. It's actually in my stomach above my belt line. They told me it was going to be below my belt line. But my kidney or not my kidney, my bladder ends up being a little higher just for my personal anatomy than most Mm -hmm. people. So they had to make the cut higher. Um, I didn't realize it would be 10 inches long either. And they just super glued it. I don't have a stitch on the outside or a staple. I've got a bunch of stitches inside. No lifting more than 10 pounds for six weeks. Um, I'm not supposed to drive for two weeks, even though I'm not on any pain meds. Uh, But yeah, no diet restrictions, no fluid restrictions. Um, A lot of that, that's a 180 change for me. You know, it is going to be a big deal. It is going to be a life changer. And as you and I have talked before, you've never seen me have a beer. Yep. Well, that shortly that's going to change.
1: <laughs> you've been sober for 30 some years? 33 plus. I think you've earned it.
0: And when I, when I first quit drinking, I said 30 years. And uh, I quit September 15th of 1987. I did have, uh, I ordered a margarita December 12th of 2019 my five-year dialysis anniversary, and I only drank half of it. I didn't even finish it. Um, But, uh, and I haven't ordered another one. Uh, But yeah, I'm I'm getting a big, huge second chance at life. So I'm going to live a little bit. Um, I got uh, basically a year of a lot of doctor's appointments. I'm I got to come to the hospital every Monday and Thursday at eight in the morning for a blood test for like the next three months. And then possibly other stops in between if there's an issue somewhere. Um, then after that, it goes to a monthly deal. And then, yeah, I think it's kind of like a cancer rundown, you know, the further you get away, the, the more space you get between your appointments, um, you know, I've got to constantly weigh myself. I've got drugs that I will be taking four times a day. I've got some that I'll take two times a day. My drug regimen is going to triple. Um, that's going to be a, a little bit of a learning curve for me. But one of the reasons I was able to get this transplant is because since I my kidneys failed, I've done everything they told me to do to get to mm-hmm. this point. And, and then some. Exactly. And I talked to the, the doctor the other day. I mean... Um, I'm dealing with surgeons. I'm dealing with just nephrologists. I'm dealing with urologists. I mean, I've got so many different doctors involved in this deal. And, you know, I told the main guy I've been dealing with, Dr. Miles, I said, if something goes wrong on this deal and this thing quits working, it will not be my fault. You know, yeah. I'm going to do everything that you guys tell me to do when you tell me to do it. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've, I, I put a lot of work into this. I'm proud of myself.
1: I would be, man. You've—it's you, been a long road of of getting getting back to to being able to drink water on a regular basis.
0: I got a a ton of people in my corner. Got a little choke up there, but it's
1: true. Stop it. <laughs> it is, you know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I Sarah got a little emotional, when I told her on Saturday. You know, Dirk's got the call again. She said, maybe this is it. And he can finally get a kidney and.
0: <clears throat> yeah. It's like I said, it's going to be a life changer. Just like the last time it was, but now this is in the right direction. instead of the wrong direction. Um, everything's been positive so far. I want to keep going that way. So I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to do everything they tell me. And, uh, I had, uh, you know, I'd love loved to have gone down to Kansas speedway, but we made the call before you know, that I wasn't going to go and you obviously had to work. So, yeah. Um, but as it turns out, it's the right call and with the timing of everything, I don't see any reason why I can't be at the truck race in Knoxville here in a few couple months. And obviously, you know, continue on, you know, with everything from the summer, the rest of the way on. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is all behind me, but there is one other thing that's going to prove to be a real kick in my butt. Good this boy. lady, um, when she's telling me that the restrictions, she told me that I can no longer clean my cat's litter box what? because of the amount of germs that are in there. And then in the very next sentence, she says, and we know life exists. And sometimes you might have to clean it. You just got to wear a mask and gloves. I looked her right square in the eye and I said, I can wear a mask and gloves three times a week. And clean yeah. It. And yeah, She looked back at me and said, no, you can't.
1: <laughs> so Well, yeah, it's, I've, I mean, that, that makes sense. I've with having three cats in the house, I've dealt with uh, Sarah and, you know, her being a uh, working at a vet clinic. I, you know, she's warned me of the diseases that, that live in a, in a cat's litter box. So, well, man, happy for you. Uh, If, unless there's anything else you want to want to touch on real quick, let's get into talking back to talking about some racing.
0: Yep, let's finish up the race, and we're good. Uh, thanks for taking that time for a minute. And uh, like I said, thanks to everybody for all the prayers.
1: So. All right, let's talk racing. Uh, let's recap the race Sunday at uh, Talladega, and then we'll get to the news. We'll get you set for this coming Sunday's race at Kansas Speedway, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, a typical Talladega race. Doesn't feel like there was a real big one. Uh, there was. There
0: was a very close to a real big one.
1: Yeah, there was 26 cars on the lead lap, four cars only a lap down. And then after that, it kind of sprinkled around here, two laps down, three laps down, five laps down, yada, yada. So not really a big one where I think there was a lot of times that drivers kind of felt like it was coming and you could see them pop out of line and play things a little bit safe. And, um, but uh, we got, we, I think we got really lucky with, with, some, uh, with a, a non-typical Talladega finish.
0: Yeah, um, and it, it's it's tough to say it, and obviously the guy didn't, I don't think did it on purpose, but the, the tire coming apart off of Martin Truex, really, I do believe, honestly, that ruined the day for poor Matty.
1: Yeah.
0: I really do. You
1: um, know, this is one of those races that it's better to be lucky than good because uh, how many times was Dale Earnhardt Sr. good at Daytona, but he never won it, and he finally got lucky and won one.
0: Well, and it, it's not as much luck as you think, because let's look at it. I mean, Brad Keselowski won his sixth, and that yeah. was when he won his first in 2009. So it's taken him 12 years, which I think tied him with Gordon. And I think Earnhardt's got the lead with 10, I think, Talladega wins, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I believe that 10 is correct. There's a lot of skill involved with, with restrictor plate drive.
1: Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. I, I do agree with you on that. Uh, luck comes into play in any in, any race. So like we said, Brad Kozlowski ended up getting the win, William Byron in second, Michael McDowell in third. McDowell actually had a shot coming out of turn four, but just wasn't able to get the push that uh, that he needed to, to get past uh, Kozlowski, and Byron was able to get by him at the end there. Harvick came home in fourth with Matt DiBenedetto in fifth. It was kind of a... I don't know if I want to call it fun for me, but listening to the MRN announcers, as good as they are, and I think they're the best in the business, trying to call Matt De Benedetto and Brad Kislowski and Kevin Harvick and, and all those guys, they're trying to get Matt De Benedetto out in a timely manner numerous times in a lap and they're tripping all over their words. And I was kind of having some fun with it because that's a, it's a very difficult name to get out in a smooth, quick manner.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you or I had been in the booth, it would just been Matty D's in front. I,
1: just, I was going to say, why don't we just start calling him Matty D. Make it easy on yourself.
0: <laughs> you know, There's not three of them out there. There's just right. one of them, you
1: know. Kaz Grala brought it home in sixth. Great finish for him. Tyler Reddick in seventh. Austin Dillon in eighth. Ryan Blaney in ninth. And Cole Custer top ten. Uh, some rough days. Kyle Larson lost an engine on lap three.
0: And, and just like normal when something like that happens in any race, whether it's Bristol or whatever, his three tree mates were all, you know, then they were on pins and needles wanting to know if they had the same bad part. Right. You know, if it was in all the Hendrick engines, which it proved not to be. But it was just really ironic. Later in the race, there coming through the trial, all three of those cars got together. They all they all hit each other in one of those little melee's. And I think that was at the end of the
1: second stage. Uh, Bowman tapped out at one twenty at lap one twenty three. So I would assume it would be somewhere around in there. What were the stages? Seventy laps.
0: Um, no, the end of the no. second stage. I think there were sixty.
1: Six, yeah, you're right. There were sixty.
0: And so, yeah, so the end of the, and and I think he made a couple laps after he uh, got involved with that. But him, Elliot, and uh, uh, William Byron all got together. Byron was able to continue and, you know, had a great finish. But it was just ironic that they're all down there in the dirt together, you know, all down there in the grass. Uh, you know, bouncing off each other. It was really weird to see.
1: So Larson brings it home in 40th. Worst finish for him on the year. And no, I did not take Kyle Larson, although I fully expected that's what everyone is blaming me on. <laughs> uh, I did. I sent you a text right away. Oh, you did yep. Larson today, huh? Joey Legato involved in a very serious accident. We're going to talk about that coming up in a little bit. He finishes 39th. Alex Bowman, 38th. Kurt Busch, 35th. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who, you know, and Ricky kind of came into play a little bit there. He ended up finishing 33rd, Hamlin 32nd. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. finished 31st. Uh, Truex led several times. No, he didn't actually lead. Sorry, he, he poked his nose out there, but didn't officially lead a lap. Hamlin led three different times for 43 laps. Kind of a typical race. You saw some of your big drivers out in the back, and and once again, you know, Sarah just didn't didn't take my advice. She ended up going with Martin Truex Jr. and, and I said, you know, it, Martin could absolutely win this race, but I think he's got a better chance of winning Kansas than he does Talladega, and he has just as good a chance of winning this race as he does is wrecking out, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like to take, you know, your your top ten, your your uh, playoff guarantees i don't like taking those guys at the daytonas and the in the talladegas because the chances of wrecking and finishing outside the top 30 are just as good as winning and i would rather save that winning pick for a race that i felt it was a little bit more a little less likely they were going to wreck out
0: right exactly and it does kind of show up when you look at the at at the way the points ended up for the day um i think brad had like 49 points to be the leader yep and uh i mean i took blaney and blaney had a good shot to win when they hit the white flag but then he kind of got shuttled out but he had a real good shot to win if truex hadn't lost the tire yeah those those five fords were lined up at the beginning and obviously maddie was leading and uh a couple of them they were going to they were going to attack him. You know, they were going to race in the last lap.
1: Yeah. But
0: they wouldn't erase them until then, and nobody else was going to touch them until then. You know, they weren't going to get them broke up. Those five Fords were, were nose to tail, and they were going to be there at the white, you know, when, the, when they took the white flag, and they were going to race for the win. Yep. You know, and then everything got shuttled around. So
1: it, it, To kind of build off your point there, uh, the winner of the race got 49 points. Brad Keselowski finished outside the top 10 in stage one, so he didn't get any stage points in stage one, finished second in stage two, won the day 49 points. Uh, he was the biggest points-getter of the day. Martin Truex Jr., who had a very, very competitive car, uh, finished the race a lap down, excuse me, two laps down, uh, I think he very easily could have won this race. He hasn't been very successful at the Super Speedways, but I think this was one of his best Super Speedway races. He got 6 points on the day.
0: Yeah, but he was he was involved in that melee at the end of the second stage and got nosed into the wall. He had quite a bit of damage on his car. Yeah. Uh-huh. But
1: he's but I I so my I coming around to my point with that is any day you take a driver like uh a Martin Turex Jr. a Danny Hamlin um Brad Kozlowski, Joey Logano, you know, pick one of these top 10, top 12 guys. And you only get six points on the day. It hurts because you missed out on quite a few points, but you also lost a pick.
0: Right, because you can almost guarantee Truex probably a top five at Kansas.
1: I, I don't like to make my pick until after tech inspection is over with, so we're not there yet. But right now I'm leaning towards, uh, I'm leaning towards Martin Truex Jr. because he's just been so lights out at Kansas speedway that I think it's, it's probably a safe bet to go with him. If he doesn't get the win, he's going to get a top five, top six. He's going to finish well in the stage points. He knows how to race that track.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's basically guaranteed 40 points for you. Yeah. Yeah. And he could get in a rack, but you know, I don't remember him ever getting in a big wreck at Kansas. Normally those are your, your 20th place type cars that end up in big red at Kansas. You know, you they did have Kenseth and Logano several years ago racing for the win, you know, and that's the racing for the win was the mm-hmm. key to that wreck and Otherwise, it never would have happened. If they were in eighth and ninth place, they probably wouldn't have wrecked, you know.
1: So but once again, Brad Kozlowski gets the win. He becomes the ninth different winner in only 10 races for the uh, 2021 season. Uh, only repeat driver is Martin Truex Jr., the way the standings roll out. As far as the playoffs are concerned, Martin Truex Jr. would be seated at first. Logano, Byron, Blaney, Keselowski, Larson, Bell, McDowell, and Bowman are all locked in. Denny Hamlin is your points leader. He's in in 10th. Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Chris Buescher are your 16 that are in the playoffs right now. Outside looking in, DeBenedetto, Kurt Busch, Ryan Newman, and Bubba Wallace. Those are your four closest drivers to getting into the playoffs based on points i think we're going to see that change a little bit more but kansas is a little bit more of a typical race and i think we're going to see a repeat winner sunday at kansas
0: yeah that that's a pretty good bet i would think so this great.
1: race last year danny hamlin excuse me the kansas race last year danny hamlin got the win brad Kozlowski came home second truex in third Kevin Harvick in fourth, Eric Jones in fifth, Eric Amarola, Cole Custer, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, and William Byron round out your top ten. Uh, bad days, four. Joey Logano finished days. 35th.
0: Who won the stages? I think Byron uh, won one of the stages.
1: Kyle Busch won stage one. Brad Keselowski won stage two. Oh, okay. William Byron, Byron outside the top ten, both stages. Really? He only led three laps for 27 total laps.
0: Yeah, he had taken the lead, but he was really starting to walk the dog. He was going to run away and win that race. They hadn't had not have that mm-hmm. last caution. I remember that specifically.
1: Yep. Pretty spread out as far as lap leaders were concerned. Um, has, or Denny Hamlin led 57 laps. Kyle Busch led 52. Martin Truex Jr. led 44. Joey Logano led 27. So did William Byron. He led 27 laps. I missed Brad Kizlowski at 30, so it was pretty spread out.
0: Yeah, you know, but it was your typical who's who on
1: a mile-and-a-half yeah. track. Right, absolutely. You're not
0: seeing Chris Buescher. You're not seeing Ryan Priest, You're not seeing Bubba Wallace. You know, you're not seeing any of, of those 20th-place cars leading all these laps. It was your who's who.
1: While we got a couple of minutes left in the show, we're going to take some time talking about this because NASCAR released their All-Star Weekend format for Texas Motor Speedway coming up in a couple of weeks. They released it the night we were recording, so Dirk, this is probably the first you're hearing about it, so I kind of wanted to go through some of the finer points and just get your quick recap and analysis on this. Here's how the format will, will be laid out. The race will feature six rounds, totaling 100 laps. Starting lineup for round number one will be determined by a random draw. Rounds one through four will be 15 laps each. Round five will be 30 laps. The final round will be a 10-lap shootout. At the beginning of round two, the field will be inverted via random draw. Round number two, random redraw, will also be seen on TV by fans attending the race on Big Hoss TV. Before the start of round three, the entire field will be inverted. At the beginning of round four, the field will be inverted via random draw.
0: Starting positions, go ahead. That's the second time you've said that, that the field will be inverted by random draw. It might not be inverted one spot. If it's a random draw, it could line up exactly the way it finished. Yeah. So putting that word inverted needs to be taken out of there, Mr. NASCAR people.
1: Well, but it's they did they do say it's a minimum of eight and a maximum of twelve.
0: Okay, so they're just going to draw a pill between uh, eight and twelve and invert those. Yep. Is what they're going to
1: do. Sorry, I I I skipped the parentheses part and I probably should have left that in there.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that makes sense. And I, I don't know who they're gonna have draw that bill. It'll probably be the probably be the winner of that that little lap Yeah, dash
1: Maybe a fan. But, a fan yeah, will be cool. would
0: be a fan. They could do a fan deal. Yeah.
1: Starting right. positions for round for the round of five. The fifth round will consist of cumulative finish from rounds one through four. Lowest cumulative finish starts on the pole. Second lowest will be second, and so forth and so on. All cars must enter pit road for a mandatory four pit stop change during round five. It does say during round five, probably not prior flag, to.
0: Probably means a green flag four tire change.
1: Yeah. Starting positions for the final round are set by finishing positions of round five. Only green flag laps will count during the NASCAR All Star Race. The fastest team on pit road during that mandatory pit stop will earn a hundred thousand dollar bonus. The race winner will be awarded a, a million dollars. Oh, From a boy. technical aspect, all elements of the car will remain eg- the same, except for the tapered spacer will be uh, 57 64ths. I got to tell you, Dirk, I didn't even realize 57 64 was a thing, but that's a technical world that I'm not a part of. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, you know, a
1: 64th is pretty thin. That race in Texas, the all-star race is going to be... Sunday June 13th all right so that's your uh, all-star rules uh, I'm not a big fan of this honestly I've, I've lost all interest in the all-star race I couldn't care less about it anymore I would at the end of the at the end of the the race if if a, a mid pack or a, behind, a backpack team won I would be happy for them for winning the million bucks and getting a huge influx in money but other than that I really couldn't care less about the all-star race anymore. I I, just this format just I don't know I've lost interest
0: yeah um you can get they they've taken the gimmick too far
1: exactly nailed it
0: they're 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 you know I'll give them kudos for trying stuff but they're getting it so confused to follow you know I thought it was kind of neat there for the couple years where they were doing the drop-off well the last four guys You know, in this segment, you know, see you, market, you know, let's move on. And I thought it was kind of neat when Joe tried that same thing down on the, basically the last chance race at the silver dollar nationals. He did that one year. You remember that? Yep. You know, I thought that was kind of a neat deal there, but, uh, in all honesty, the guys on the dirt track, you know, when they started in the back and if they weren't moving forward right away, they just pulled off. Those four guys weren't even on the track at the end of the. The segment, date.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're just like we're, we're going nowhere. We're gonna get eliminated anyways. Let's just save some tires. You know, save some tires, save some motor. Yeah, save the equipment. So, all right. So the All Star race once again at Texas Motor Speedway this year coming up in a couple of weeks. Ryan Newman set to make his seven hundredth Cup Series start this Sunday at Kansas Speedway. That's a that's a huge number. Oh, that. puts him into? A
0: very limited company. Does it say in there how many other drivers have done it?
1: I did a quick Google search for list of drivers with over 700 career starts. This was as of December 2020. Uh, Rusty Wallace 706, Harvick 718, Bobby Allison 718, Kurt Busch 720, LeBonte, Bobby Labonte 729, Sterling Marlin 748, Ken Schrader 763, Waltrip 784, Gordon 805. Uh, Daryl Waltrip, 809. Bill Elliott was 828. Petty was 829. Mark Martin, 882. This must have been very pre-us. Dave Marcus? Yeah. 883. Terry Labonte, 890. Ricky Rudd, 906. And I'll give you one guess who has the most NASCAR Cup Series starts. Bubba Wallace. (laughs) Richard Petty, 1184. 1184. That was,
0: He's the, that was 17 people. Yeah. See, so yeah. Richard Petty had all of his top three series starts in the top series. He never made a start in a truck race or a Bush Xfinity, whatever.
1: Yeah, and 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 again, it's it's not taking anything away from him, but he also raced in the heyday of they'd race sometimes three, four times a week.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They had like 70 race schedules and stuff like that.
1: So yeah you're right. Uh it uh, looks like according to this article of ni- of uh, of 2020 I didn't I don't think I listed off anybody that was active uh Harvick.
0: Yeah, that you listed that was 17 it. drivers. So
1: 17 uh, Ryan Newman drivers. will will jump in at, s- at 18th. Well, yeah, he'll yeah. jump in at 18th and in, in seven races he'll surpass Rusty Wallace. Um
0: yeah, I must have uh, uh, uh Jamie Mack and Biffle. They must have had like 600 stars. Then I must, you know, I just got the wrong hundred in there.
1: Yeah. I could, I could scroll up and, and, and see.
0: Yeah. It's still, I mean, for Newman, that's an impressive stat. It really is.
1: I think I read in that article, I've already clicked away from it, but he said my first start, I did not finish the race. I, I racked up a DNF. My second start, I won the poll.
0: Yep. That's where you got the name of a rocket, Brian. All
1: right. Let's talk Logano. There was a lot of conversation about this and I'm kind of, maybe I'm misunderstanding people's conversation on, on social media about nascar has basically said we're going to investigate what happened with joey logano's car my understanding of people are saying that these cars are the safest they've ever been why are we making a big deal out of this and my rebuttal is because if we don't make a big deal out of it somebody's going to die well exactly nascar would love to have a car never roll over ever again because those rollovers are incredibly vicious those are impacts that that there's a lot of force being pushed in a direction that, you know, the safety containment seats are built for forward and and rear impacts, maybe a little bit of side impacts, not shooting up. And, and there's, when, when they do research like this, when they investigate what was the cause of this, they may come up with some solution that'll stop these cars from rolling over in the way that the Joe Logano. Joey Logano's car did and so they're able to eliminate another factor of a car rolling over it's all about reducing the number of times these cars are vulnerable
0: well the the vulnerability if the car is by itself upside down bouncing around is not that big a deal where the vulnerability comes is if the car in Ryan Newman's case when he gets hit in the driver's side window during this thing being like he was upside down. I mean, that's bumper to the helmet type deal. And that almost happened in this wreck again, you know,
1: um, I'm sure NASCAR is looking at that aspect also.
0: Well, exactly. That's what they're looking at, you know, but you got to go to the beginning of it. If the car doesn't get upside down, you don't have to look at the second issue.
1: Right. And it, you know, it's, again, it's, nascar has taken a a more proactive approach you can look at this and say well this isn't proactive this is after the fact but i think old school thinking is well nobody got hurt all the safety equipment did what it was supposed to do great and that would have been the old school thought you know 40 years ago now it's okay all the safety equipment did what it was supposed to do that's great But now we got to stop these cars from rolling over. And, and Dirk, you know this more than than me and a lot of other people out there, but some of our fans know this very well. Rollovers at super speedways and at speedways used to happen a lot more than they do today.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've cut them down, and, you know, that's the thing. I don't think they're ever going to eliminate them, but there's no way they can simulate A car six deep in the draft getting turned sideways. Yeah, they can simulate a car by itself getting turned sideways. That's like in the front and what the wind's going to do. But you can't tell because if those cars are lined off, you know, six inches to the right or six inches to the left, the wind's hitting the car that's getting turned sideways totally different, you know, than if there's no car in front of it and then the wind's just hitting it sideways. So they they can't simulate this type of. Accident. So it's, it's so hard to figure out, you know, what they can do to possibly stop it,
1: you know, and maybe now with the information they have, they're able to go back and plug in exactly what happened to Joey's car. They know the track conditions, they know the wind speeds, and they know the relative to pretty exact position to every car around them. And then they go and run simulations and figure out where was there a negative air pressure that might have caused that car to lift up and lose its downforce. And, and that's, that's where they can dive into this. And I think that's all they're saying. I, I, again, I was really surprised by some of the conversation on Facebook about this and on social media of, of, well, NASCAR is just making a big deal out of this. Well, thank God they need to make a big deal out of this. NASCAR has, NASCAR didn't make a big enough deal out of cars slamming into walls. Then they lost Dale senior. We all lost Dale senior. And then they took it very seriously. And the, the changes that were implemented into NASCAR over the next four years were incredible.
0: The changes that were implemented on that in the next six months after Earnhardt's crash were incredible. And, and have already saved lives. Yeah. You know, the safer barriers and stuff like that, that was all in the works at that time. They were already working on that. They just hadn't got there yet.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I actually went back and listened to that interview we did with Dr. Dean Sicking back in 2012, before the Daytona 500, and you're absolutely right. Those safer barriers were in development when Senior was killed. That got ramped up, and NASCAR now got involved because it was IndyCar, and it was Indianapolis Motor Speedway that started conversations with – with dr dean sicking and his his uh his group over at the nebraska at at lincoln university of lincoln they were having those conversations about developing these safety barriers and then nascar got involved and started helping out with getting more information and testing and money money was important
0: exactly you know well money drives the world i mean yeah you're not going to do anything without money yeah you know it's it's sad to say it that way but it's just a fact. Well, and, and
1: I went back and listened to that conversation again and and Dr. Dean Sicking said, "We have developed these safer barriers." Basically, this isn't a wonderful word. I'll repost that one of these days as like a throwback Thursday that conversation because I think it, I would I don't know if you ever heard it because I yeah. think you would love that. Well, I I got I was involved with this when I was an
0: official back in 01, 02, 03. I was learning about all this back, you know, at our meetings in Charlotte. I was seeing the videos that have since been made public and put on YouTube of them crashing the cars at the Lincoln Airport. I saw that. I didn't see it real
1: time, but I saw it a month after it happened. Right, and and I guess my point, what I was going with that was – He basically said, we could develop these safer barriers for dirt tracks, but it costs too much money. And dirt tracks don't have enough money to put into it that they can do the research to figure out how to make them safe at those lower speeds and those trajectories and so on.
0: They don't have the speed and the G-forces and stuff in the accidents. That's why they didn't worry about putting, uh, you know, the safer barriers uh,
1: when they ran Bristol on dirt. Right. So. All right. Uh goes into it. Let's get through a little bit more conversation. Uh, you brought it up when we were before we were recording. Uh K-League Racing announced they're going to be a full-time cup series team in 2022. Currently, they run three full-time Xfinity series teams with Burton, Haley, and Almendinger as uh, full-time rides and then they're going to be running a full-time cup series right now they run part-time cup series in 2021 with Kaz Grala and AJ Almendinger behind the wheel of their machines great story and, and we've talked about this before I think the economics of the cup series have finally come into come into a realm where Xfinity series teams can jump up and new teams can come in
0: yeah except You know, they're going to, you know, unless somebody's going out, they're not going to be able to get a charter. And so that's going to up their expenses, especially with no practices.
1: But good news, Caleb Racing said they have announced that they're going to be a full-time Cup Series team in 2022. But again, I think this is great news. For how long have we talked about teams closing down shop? Teams are doing this, teams are doing that. And it seems like a lot of these things that NASCAR has done – um, I, 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 the first thing that pops into my head is is the engine. They went and told teams you got to run engines for is it two races or three? Three races. That saved a ton of money on these engines. You know, like the the World of Outlaw guys that buy a 410 engine lasts them about eight or nine in eight or nine races, and they got to send it to get refreshed, and that's another bill that they got to pay. That that if if They were to put restrictions on those, and that was to go from 10 10 races to refresh it to 30 races to refresh it, that's a I huge difference.
0: But it still doesn't guarantee it's gonna last three laps.
1: No, it doesn't. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's saving a lot of these teams. I think the economics of the cup series are starting to line up to now teams are able to look at it and say, if we go out there and 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 compete as a as a full-time team without a, a charter we could get close with the charter. We can make the dollars work. Exactly. And now the, the tough thing is they're going to have to find a way to make the charter work. Cause what did we end up finding out? Was that last charter that they suspected it sold for around 3 million?
0: Uh, yeah, that was the estimate. You know, the best anybody can guess.
1: Yeah, and it, it, if you own that charter, you buy it one time for $3 million, you've got it until you decide you want to sell it and you could sell it for another $3 million and make your money back. Uh, or you could continue to have it for 10, 15, 20 years. You're going to pay that $3 million off in no time. Uh, probably cool. three or four years.
0: It, well, you still got to worry about sponsorship and, and stuff like that. So, But it, but it, it gets easier
1: because you've got a guaranteed starting position in 36 spots. Right. Now you could yeah. say, we're going to be in every single race. Which one do you want to pick? Which one do you want to sponsor? And let's start talking about dollars.
0: Exactly. I mean, that brings that in, into, uh, into play. But, you know, and, and we've said it a million times, I'm not a fan of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to tell you that they're great because I don't it, think they are.
1: Listen, you, you can't, you, as, as good as you are, you can't be good at every. You can't be right at everything. I'll take it's one. Okay. <laughs> Alright, Sunday's race at Kansas Speedway. Once again, the Bushy Mick Bush Race 400 at Kansas Speedway. 2 o'clock on Sunday. Get down to Quaker Steak and Lube and enjoy all the green flag action. I want to say a big thank you to all of our great sponsors at Fabrication for bringing our interviews during the World of Wheels Car Show back in March and, and helping us get interviews with Tommy Etherton and Matt Wag. Also, a big thank you to Tailored Computers. Had a busy day and a busy week, so far setting up uh, printers and doing upgrades. Also uh, was over in Lincoln on Wednesday with one of Jake Bridges pit crew guys who uh, wanted me to get his laptops. He has four computers that are running all of his CNC machines. And he goes, how can I make it easy to to transfer files between them? I went over there, helped him get it all set up. And we're going to do some uh, recommendations on getting those computers upgraded. Your computer does not have to be slow. And it doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. I'd love to take a look at your computers, find a way to make it faster, and find a way to extend the life of it. Thanks to Rick Havenridge of Wealth Partners. Find out what Rick can do for you today, rickhavenridgeadvice.com. Thanks again to Joe's Carding, our title supporter, and of Quaker Steak and Lube, the official watering hole of the front stretch. Dirk, P. good, my buddy. One more thank you. What do you got?
0: The staff at UNMC.
1: Yeah, they did a great job. Thanks, man. But I'm really glad. Again, Sarah and I, and all the chicks too. They were very happy to hear that you're doing great.
0: Well, which one am I getting for Thanksgiving
1: dinner? Stop it! I Uh, gotta get my I gotta get enough eggs out of there to get my money back out of this coop. (laughs) Rest easy. Take care. We'll talk to you guys. We'll talk to you soon, bud. All right, man. All right. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to do it all over again for Dirk Houston. Who's now one kidney healthier. I'm Dan Taylor. We'll be back. Thanks again, everybody for tuning in. This has been the front stretch presented by Joe's Carney,
0: The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour. Featuring dollar-off draft and well drinks plus $4 luberitas. Mondays are kids' night. Tuesdays are all-you-can-eat wings for $12.95. And the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get too
1: quick to steak and lube.
0: Mid-America Drive Council Bluffs. Hey, look at that. You're sitting
1: on your couch playing Halo, Madden, or NASCAR while your friends are at Joe's Karting. Each lap is an adrenaline-filled, heart-pumping, white-knuckle experience that you can only get at the Metro's largest indoor karting track. Eco-friendly Honda engines rip you around their professionally designed road course at breakneck speeds. Can you reach the 14-second lap bracket? There's only one way to find out. Put the controller down and get to Joe's Karting, 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs, next to Quaker Steak & Lube.